Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It's just like your family treats you. Find your healthy family at northmemorial.com slash family. Welcome to another episode of the Access Vikings podcast. My name is Andrew Kramer, joined by Ben Gessling via Zoom for a special draft week edition. Thank you for waving, Ben. I appreciate it's it. It's tradition. It's <laughs> draft week. We got to keep these things alive. <laughs> There's no Mike Rand on this episode, but Ben and I are going to be discussing plenty about the local prospects in Minnesota. The NFL draft, obviously, starting Thursday night of this week. Are we going to hear Rashad Bateman's name called out of the Gophers? He could be the first Gophers first round pick since Lawrence Maroney. Ben was just pointing out to me on the podcast. That was when you were in school, right? Yes, we are. We are. Thank you for dating me. Uh, yes, we are. <laughs> this is this is where we're at. Is that it's been so long since the Gophers had a first round pick that I covered the last one as a student at the university. <laughs> He's a year younger than me, and I'm getting. You know, you can figure it out. I'm 38. I, whatever. I don't care. Age is a number. Um, yeah. So, but it's been 15 years since they had one. Maroney was his breakout year was the year I covered them, which would have been the 2004 season. Then of course had the great 2005 where he, I think at the game against Purdue where he carried the ball like 45 times and him and Gary Russell, that was kind of the, the one, two punch that year after Marion Barber went to the NFL. And, and I think the Patriots took him late in round one. So he started his career with Tom Brady, who I think by that point only had a couple of Super Bowls and you know, probably, eh, probably by that point he had three, but you know, less than half of his total collection. Um, but yeah, they haven't had them since then. They've had a couple second rounders, just sort of course, Rashid Hagman and um, Antoine Winfield last year. Um, but yeah, other than that, the Bateman would be the first one since Lomo. It's gonna be a long time, and it's a <laughs> wow, that is. I, I like the Lomo nickname too. It's a, it's a throwback. Um, we got Rashad I was Bateman to be with the Minnesota Daily that year, by the way. And uh, Chip Scoggins was in, I think, year two on the gopher speed. So that was my, like my first real exposure to chip was uh, that year. Covering the oh, game. Oh, wow. It chip chip on college football. It's always like that gets his juices flowing. Yes, it does. <laughs> Nobody loves college football <laughs> in this market more than Chip Scoggin. Oh, former anybody who knows chip at the star tribune knows he's a uh, very, very uh, adamant uh, and zealot for the volunteers of Tennessee. Yep. Um, <laughs> anyway, we got Rashad Bateman potentially going in the back end of the first round. He could be one of the fourth, the fifth wide receiver taken at, in the first round this year. Very stacked class from yeah. Jam- Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, and then a lot of analysts have Bateman as that fourth guy, maybe um, potentially fifth if Elijah Moore or somebody else sneaks up in there. But um, it's going to be a very intriguing night for Gophers fans to see where he lands because there are a bunch of different fits. But Ben, you got to talk to him at his pro day back in March, and it was really his only chance to get in front of scouts. And I know um, he had a lot to kind of show them because he feels like he's been doubted quite a bit in terms of his game. What did you hear from him and, and what stood out to you about his pro day back in March? Yeah, I mean, the big question at the time was his speed. I mean, the the question of his 40 time, because obviously there was no combine. So he he went, he was training in Arizona, uh, spent some time with DK Metcalf and Odell Beckham down there. So, that's uh, you know, hanging out, hanging out with some fairly accomplished NFL receivers. He ran a, a laser timed 40 that he put out on his social media. I think it was 439 at, at Exos in Arizona. <clears throat> so a lot of it, he said, I'm going to run the, I'm going to run the 40 again because I have no problem trying to prove my speed and ran four, three, nine, uh, that same day at the pro day for the Gophers in front of the scouts. And obviously that's hand timed and 
So the, the laser time is more accurate. Scouts like to think that now we're just as good. Like, mm, no, you're not. Sorry. It's the laser time is the accurate one, but they got to get it on their watches and see it for themselves and, and trust their own, trust their own eye, trust their own timing. Um, so that was where it came out was, was four, three, nine. I think a few people had them maybe a little faster than that. A few people had them a little slower, but yeah, it certainly answered that question. The other question that came out of that, and this is, this is interesting because it, I think it's where these colleges don't do these players any favors. He measured six foot and just a little bit over six feet and weighed in at like 190 pounds. He'd been listed by the Gophers at 6'2", 210. And you see, I mean, you played high school football. You know how this is. I, I've sat with high school coaches when they're going through the the prospect or the process of listing people's height and weight. And they'll add two, three inches, 30 pounds without even thinking about it. But if you expect a player to be a certain weight and then he goes into this pre-draft process and it's like, no, he's not quite that big. Um, that's, that becomes more of a question, but he said that day, I've never played over 200 pounds. I'm not worried about it. I've always been around this point. So it, it tells you that, Hey, take, take what college programs list players at with a grain of salt, because uh, it's usually inflated to try to yeah, probably make teams seem more intimidating. I think it's always the, the thought, but yeah, it, it, that was kind of the question that came out of that day. He said, Hey, you know, it's, it's another one that I have to knock down. I've been knocking down questions the whole time. You know, coming out of a small town in Georgia, coming to the University of Minnesota when people thought I could have gone somewhere else. Uh, I decided to go there because P.J. Fleck was the first to offer me, and then everybody kind of came in after that. So he didn't seem worried about all of the questions that seemed to be following him. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's going to be, I think, a matter of does his 2019 tape show that he's a first-round pick? Probably more so than 2020 because didn't have a great 2020 Tanner Morgan didn't have a great 2020. I think that affected him, but the 2019 tape was awfully good. And I think a lot of those same things are going to be what he tries to show. He could still do at the NFL level. And you know, you know how good, and we, we obviously know Tyler Johnson was really good. We see him kind of flash with Tampa Bay there in the playoff run a little bit. Um, but you know, him and Bateman are good when uh, Tanner Morgan is getting whispers after 2019 of like, could this guy be a draft pick? Yeah. Could he be a <laughs> 2020 happens and you go, yeah, he's absolutely not. Um, but it's funny. You mentioned the height and weight for Rashad Bateman. Cause I'm looking at a, a profile of him on profootballfocus.com, One of the famous uh, film study sites. That's really delved into college. Mike favorite. It is, but it, they've really delved into co- college football too, and try to get into the whole draft process yeah. and be, a, and be an asset for teams that way. But when you read Bateman's profile, it says NFL ready build at six, two, two, ten. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not that. I mean, and it's, it's, it's interesting because he's obviously in on the bit when he says I've never played over 200 pounds. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, this, some of this stuff gets inflated over the years and gets taken as, as gospel and it's not. Yeah. And, and there are some things obviously you can trust with a lot of these analyst sites that are breaking it down because they do watch the film. They do count up the, do the counting stats, I should say. Um, when you look at Bateman, though, what stands out about him is it doesn't matter if he never has played over 200. The guy breaks tackles. He gets free at the line of scrimmage. Um, PFF's got him with 36 missed tackles forced over his career at Minnesota. That was eighth in the entire country um, since he entered college football among power five schools. So um, this he, he plays bigger than that kind of size yeah. would suggest. And he's going to be a prolific receiver in the NFL regardless, which is why he's getting mocked so high in certain situations. I've seen him getting mocked in the first round of the Baltimore Ravens 
which would be an yep. interesting fit for him. We saw uh, that, right? Yeah, that would be a very interesting fit for him. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson's not the most accurate quarterback, maybe more accurate than Tanner Morgan, but we're going to have to see where he ends up. I just, I think when you look at his game, I think it's just going to translate because it's, it's something that's predicated not on just being bigger and faster than everybody. It's by being that savvy player, kind of like, kind of like a better version of Tyler Johnson, if I can say yeah. that, yeah. because, because he is a little bit more precise in the route running. The releases is what he Bateman gets a lot of praise for. Yes. And if you can come in, we see what Justin Jefferson, if you can come in right away and beat a guy off the line, that's going to give you a lot in the NFL because corners like to get up on young receivers in the NFL and just out physical them yep. and kind of try to bully them around. And if Bateman can, can do that, this kid could be something right away. And well, uh, okay. to that point, I mean, it's interesting. I was just recording with, uh, with Roisy and, and chip for an, another draft week podcast. And we were talking about bus and Laquan Treadwell's name came up as, as it does in such a conversation. And I remember one of the things that got talked about so much with him in college, Oh, he made all these great contested catches. Well, if, if you're in college and you're having to make contested catches all the time against college corners, even in the sec, as good of competition as there is in the SEC, if you're not getting open consistently against college corners, it may mean that you have a tr- you have a hard time doing that in the NFL. So you see that, and then you see receivers like Stephon Diggs, who came in and was a, a lot of the reason the Vikings were able to survive that Treadwell pick like they did, because Diggs came in and was such a good route runner, was so good at creating separation with his routes and the detail he puts in at the top of his route. And Adam Thielen got so much better at it during his first couple of years with the Vikings that that really became a non-issue that Treadwell didn't, that Treadwell busted because they had two guys in Thielen and Diggs that could do it so well. And obviously Jefferson has been in that same mold. So those guys, I think for people that have watched certainly the Vikings closely as the listeners of our podcast do and and really Minnesota football in general closely you've seen in Thielen Diggs Jefferson what we're talking about here that type of of skill probably more so than just pure size and speed turns you into an effective NFL receiver and I think it's why Bateman probably even if the senior year wasn't or his junior year I should say his final year at Minnesota wasn't to the standard of 2019 that he still has a lot of things that NFL teams are looking for. And the other team we should point out that was there at, at Bateman's pro day that picks number 30, the green Bay Packers, Brian Gutekunst was there to watch him that day, perhaps uh, intent on not repeating last year when they didn't draft a receiver. Uh, I think they were interested in Justin Jefferson, of course was gone. So then they traded up rather than helping Aaron Rodgers, They traded up to draft his successor. And uh, I don't think they've drafted a receiver since Gutekunst has been in charge. And, of course, Ted Thompson had a lot of success finding second, third-round receivers, Jordy Nelson, Greg Jennings, Devontae Adams, so on and so forth. So if they decide, if Bateman's there, from what I've heard, the Packers are fairly interested. So um, how how Minnesota football fans would feel about that, uh, we'd have to see. But, yeah, that, that could be a possible destination for them at number 30 as well. Yeah, I feel like I just heard the collective groan of Vikings and Gophers fans seeing Aaron Rodgers to Sorry, Rashad. Don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> Aaron Rodgers to Rashad Bateman. We'll see. Supporting what I've heard. I think I think uh, Vikings fans might be thinking the Packers aren't that smart. 
they're not they're not going to take Rashad Bateman well, in the first round. <laughs> they, have, they certainly have not shown a lot of interest in. I mean, last year it's like yeah. as talented as that receiver class is, and you had a lot of guys that hit in that that class right away. You know, whether it was guys in the first round like Jefferson or even you know Chase Claypool a little bit later on, you had a lot of guys that showed. Yes, this translates, and you can take this to the NFL and be successful, or at least contribute right away. And and uh, the Packers passed on that completely, and um, probably could have used another receiver to make a play at the end of the NFC Championship game. I think Aaron well, Rodgers not have minded that. Well, let's talk about um, some more guys that were at that pro day. Benjamin St. Juice is the only other Gophers player coming out in this draft. PJ Fleck very adamant in saying at one of his press conferences this spring that you got to make sure you tell people we're two for two. We, you know, we, it's not that we only got two people drafted, it's that we only had two people coming out. And that's very true. And it's two talented guys. The Benjamin St. Juice is, I think, Daniel Jeremiah, the NFL.com um, analyst and former scout. Um, very complimentary of St. Jude's game said from what he's heard from teams, he is everybody's favorite mid round corner. He's a yeah. six, six foot guy brings the kind of prototypical length that NFL teams love to get and just say, Hey, if we can just build this guy into, um, into one of those guys who can stop like an X receiver, like a bigger, you know, cover Julio Jones, those kinds of things, something that smaller corners can't do. Um, he kind of projects as that kind of a guy. Cameron almost. Yeah, yeah. And, and we saw St. Juice at the Pro Day. Um, and another unique thing about the Pro Day going on, and this is around the country, we're seeing 2020 kids show up too. Yeah. Um, Jackson Erdman, the, the D3 quarterback out of St. John, John's. I Oh, I almost botched that. Uh, D3 quarterback out of St. John's. We saw Shane Zilstra, the uh, record-setting wide receiver out of Mankato, who had led D2 um, back in 2020, 2020 um in his last year in college back the last time they played college football whenever that was exactly so we're going to see these kids though locally get chances now either to be late round picks this year or to be uh, brought in for tryouts which just or undrafted signings which just didn't happen that often last year with all the restrictions so if these guys are allowed to get back on the field if nfl teams can convene at least by uh, july and august when training camps we could see jackson erdman on a roster we could see um, the same goes for Shane Zilstra, the younger brother of Brandon Zilstra, the former Vikings receiver now in Carolina. Um, so those guys were all at the pro day too. Um, there are going to be other names though. We, we shouldn't, we'd be remiss to not mention NDSU because we're going to hear Trey Lance's name, uh, right away, potentially before any other local prospects, Trey Lance. Now, the- that is a safety or a quarterback. <laughs> and PJ Fleck, uh, infamously recruited him as a safety to the Gophers. Um, the quarterback has blown up and he's become one of the darlings, Ben, of, of this draft class. When you talk about everybody wants to talk about Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, uh, Justin Fields, but Trey Lance is also becoming this favorite. Um, you hear a lot of smart NFL minds, you know, analysts from Mina Kimes to Daniel Jeremiah who say like, this guy is going to be potentially the next big thing because he's so smart. He's got all the physical tools that you can't coach. And I think I heard Daniel Jeremiah say yesterday, this is a guy who you can just fix the correctable things. And, and that word, <laughs> that, that word in Vikings fandom is a little rough. It's a little rough. Smart guy there. that had correctable things. Yes. The what difference is wrong. The difference is this kid is huge with a cannon arm and doesn't yeah. seem to be afraid of, of pressure, which Christian Ponder, that would be a big difference. Christian Ponder was not any of those things. Um, anyway, he, he's going to be, I think one of the top picks, um, top 10, top 20 pick, at least um, potentially the fourth quarterback to go. 
uh, in this draft class. And then Dylan Ray Dunst, the uh, tackle out of NDSU and from Becker, Minnesota, won back-to-back state titles there. Um, we're going to hear from him later in this podcast, but he's another guy that could be picked for the first round. Um, yeah. Part of a loaded tackle class, six foot six, gigantic kid. Um, these tackles that are coming out too, there's a lot of guys when you look at down the list of the prospects that the Vikings could potentially be looking to choose from. To go down the list though, you've got those guys from NDSU who, get, who could get drafted right away. And there could be multiple guys picked from NDSU before there are from the Gophers. And, and that's saying um, something considering the Gophers have two very strong candidates coming out two for two in this draft class, two for two. Um, another name you should know, Ellerson Smith, uh, Northern Iowa pass rusher, another gigantic kid, but he showed up on campus four years ago, three years ago as a tight end, kind of lanky tight end. And he's since put on, he, he told me he's put on 70 pounds in the wow. last three years, including 20 pounds since he last played a football game. Um, to try to build up to be that kind of edge rusher that the NFL wants, but he's still only like 260 pounds. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, he's, he's really skinny. Really? Yeah. That's uh, the fact that he's put on that much weight is, is pretty interesting to, to even get to that point, given how skinny he's still seen as being by a lot of these teams. Yeah. And Ellerson Smith is a um, former South Minneapolis standout. Like I mentioned, tight end uh, defender there who went on to Northern Iowa and has impressed people. He had one of the better senior bowl weeks, got a lot of strong reviews there. So he's probably going to be a late round pick. So hey, Minnesota's not really the state of football, but we're going to see. And those, again, those NDSU guys I mentioned are from Minnesota, so we can claim them. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got to take what we can get. <laughs> It's not really the state of football, but we are going to see a lot of Minnesota kids' names called. You have a first-round quarterback. It's not going to have any states that could say that. that. That's true, and a first-round quarterback. Yeah, he could he could have been pretty good. Yeah, he could have been pretty good with Bateman, Tyler Johnson, the weapons that he had. Not to say that NDSU's weapons weren't as good, but they just weren't. I just got wistful for a second thinking of that end zone in the Rose Bowl one time in our lives. <laughs> gold. That's what the pause was with me just imagining that scene of them running out of that tunnel with that thing painted maroon and gold once in our lives my college uh speaking of that my my college uh, uh indoctrination into the gophers because we're both former u graduates yep. full, dis- full disclosure um my college indoctrination of the gophers was standing in the end zone at tcf bank stadium among five thousand freshmen or whatever it is when it just opened i think it was its first year on campus in 2009 and it's tim brewster the famed tim yeah. brewster they're playing so- usd no, no, no. So this was this was our like freshman welcome week. There was no game. This was just, hey, come okay. here. Okay. We're gonna have the football coach rah rah you up and say, hey, welcome, you know, on Over campus. Nation. Yeah, exactly. And Brewster starts just destroying Wisconsin and saying how they've never, you know, hadn't been to a Rose Bowl in so long, hadn't won anything <laughs> or whatever. And I believe Wisconsin went to like three of the next five Rose yes, Bowls or something. <laughs> and the Gophers just disappeared and, and continued to be irrelevant. And in the number that stood out always was they list the national championships at TCF Bank Stadium. Yep. And the last one there is like 1960 or something. <laughs> just, yeah, I think. Just yeah, absurd. It's- and they 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 put up a lot of stuff about our uh, seven national championships. It's like I remember being at the pro day, and you know, there's NFL people in the room looking up at that and saying, "I won seven of these things, huh?" Yeah, I, I didn't really know that. It's like, yeah, it's <laughs> been a minute <laughs> where they were, you know, eight and three and voted number one in an AP poll. So yeah, it's it's been a bit. So. Oh man, and so yeah, and forgive the, forgive the cynicism and the jadedness. It's just it comes from being you know 
and college and paying for tickets when it's Tim Brewster. I have friends who came out diehard Gopher fans, and I'm like, I don't know how you guys did it. How well, you now we also covered the football program. Which That's true. Leads yeah. to some of the jadedness as well because we deal with the coaches and we see the egos and, and some of those things that I I don't I it took me a minute to get back into rooting for Gopher football after covering it. I will say that. Um, I do now, but it, it took me a little bit to, to get back to the point where I would actively root for them because yeah, especially when you're at the student paper, that, that thing of dealing with a, an FCS college coach. I mean, that's, that's a challenge for anybody when the FC, I mean, then this is a little inside here, but the NFL media, right. Media access is governed by a negotiated protocol between the league and the pro football writers, pro football writers association. So the amount of time we get to talk to players, who we get to talk to all that stuff is, is fairly well established in college. There is no such thing. So coaches basically decide this is who you get to talk to. This is for how long this is in some cases what you can ask about. So that changes things. And then when you're a student reporter, it's uh, another level of that. So yeah, it, it took a minute to get back to that, but I'm I'm uh, I'm back rowing the boat now. Hey, we're no we're no Pat Royce and uh, destroy and fleck every chance he gets. We should have had Pat on the podcast. You, the, the locals pod. He really <laughs> would have, he would have broken down the PJ Fleck era. Of I had with the the one we did kind of going down memory lane with on Viking stuff. Pat spent enough time uh, ripping Denny Green and <laughs> uh, telling stories about him and Red McCombs and you know all sorts of those old names that that uh, if you, if you're looking for that. Uh, and and you should be because Pat tells stories like no other. Um, you, you'll be able to get your fill of that this week on the episode. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and you'll be able to get your fill of all draft coverage at StarTribune.com this week. Please check out our website and the newspaper for stories from Ben coming on uh, Rashad Bateman. I'll be writing about Dylan Radunce and Ellerson Smith and some of the local guys uh, trying to make it after not playing much football. We'll have plenty of stories from uh, the Vikings perspectives as well. More podcasts to come. You can read it all and check it all out at startribune.com. All right. Now let's hear directly from one of those local draft prospects and NDSU left tackle Dylan Ray Dunst, the Becker, Minnesota native who won a couple back-to-back state titles there before going on to the FCS and starting 32 straight games at left tackle for the Bison protected Trey Lance's backside for uh, the last season and a half or season and one game. Uh, I wanted to talk to him about his past year and what he's had to do um, to kind of convince NFL teams that he is NFL ready at this point. Um, He had a great senior bowl. We'll mention in there that he was the senior bowl practice player of the week. The last player to do that was Justin Herbert, who ended up having a great NFL rookie season. Uh, So let's hear from Dylan. You know, we're going to hear NDSU a lot in the draft process or as the draft kicks off from Trey Lance to you. But what was it like not playing football last year, at least doing it for just one game and having such a shortened season? Yeah, uh, in uh, short terms, it sucks. Uh, It's not (laughs) fun. Um, Definitely love That's why I love playing football. You get to do it uh, so much throughout the year, especially playing at NDSU. You played for like seven months out of the year. So, uh, yeah, it sucked. I mean, I got to get my body right. I mean, my body feels better than ever, and I got to uh, get my strength up and all that stuff because of the off-season training, not playing football. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was boring, uh, needless to say, because I wasn't playing football. Yeah, what did you do with all this newfound time? I mean, you brought up the, the stuff taking care of your body, but when you 
when you have that extra time, what do you do? Do you pick up any new hobbies? You watch football? Like, what'd you do? Um, yeah, I mean, you watch football as much as you travel a little bit as much as you can just to see some things that maybe you haven't been able to see. And then, uh, yeah, I did have to finish up school in the fall, so I focused on that. Um, but in the spring, I was kind of just uh, find some new things. I took up trying to play the guitar. I still suck at that, but, uh, <laughs> you know, just little hobbies here and there trying to figure out what to do with the time after you're done, obviously, taking care of your body. Yeah, yeah. Where would you travel to? Anywhere fun? Uh, so I did some hog hunting in Oklahoma, and then obviously I was out in California, so I did a lot of hiking out in California when I was training with Joe Staley, so uh, just some outdoorsy stuff, swimming in the ocean, stuff like that. Oh, hog hunting, I'm sure NFL coaches would love to hear that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I've talked to a few coaches about <laughs> it, and just the experience down there, and yeah, just the stuff you can do with it. Yeah, well, you you obviously, let's let's talk about, yeah, football, speaking of that, um, you've had to go through this process of, of teams reaching out to you, and zoom interviews and you know interviews through plexiglass down in mobile alabama at the senior bowl and all these kinds of things uh what have teams wanted to know as they try to get to know you i mean it's pretty uh generic just uh luckily i was at a school where no trouble was caused so they always ask you what uh if you've gotten in trouble or anything like that and uh, i have not so that was a pretty easy question for me to answer and then they just ask you for your background and stuff and uh, and then a few personality questions is to see how you react to certain questions and see if you have the level at playing uh, at the next level. So, uh, uh, yeah, a lot of those questions uh, were geared towards me just because I'm from FCS. So they want to know that I'm confident myself and my abilities uh, at jumping from FCS to the NFL. So that was most of the questions. Yeah, were there a lot of schematic stuff? Like are they trying to get to know kind of what's your IQ coming from that level of football? Yeah, um, so luckily uh, at NDSU, we play uh, pro-style offense anyway. We run everything under the book, so, uh, and our offensive line makes a lot of those calls. So I was still able to uh, relay that pretty well in those interviews. Um, I felt like I had pretty good football IQ, and then uh, also I was an engineering grad, so uh, I was able to use those smarts of some sorts uh, in uh, learning all the plays and schematics that they taught me in the meetings and then having to regurgitate it to them. So uh, overall, that portion wasn't too bad. I'd say it went pretty well uh, in all those Zoom meetings. Yeah, over your 32 straight starts, how did your responsibilities kind of grow on the O-line in terms of kind of handling that mental stuff for them? I know a left tackle, you're on one end, so you communicate with just, you know, one or two players, but how, how did your responsibilities kind of grow there? Yeah, my first year, I mean, it was just do your job, make sure you're doing your job right. And then, uh, second year, I didn't ask Jensen to jump in. I just had to make sure and instill confidence in him, tell him where exactly we're going. I mean, he was a pretty smart kid anyway, so uh, uh, just basically being a leader in the, in the line calls and stuff there. And then, uh, yeah, this last year uh, when we had Olsen and uh, Shoney in that center, I mean, Shoney made all the line calls. He's a super intelligent guy, and then. Uh, yeah, it, it turns into just being a mental aspect of uh, keeping the guys' heads up, keeping the guys' heads uh, glued on straight, uh, and just uh, making sure everybody's uh, in the right mental space uh, coming on for the next drive. Well, you must have answered quite a few questions at the Senior Bowl with how you played. I mean, you got, you got practice player of the week. I think last year's practice player of the week was Justin Herbert, and it played, yep. played, pretty, played out pretty well for him. Um, how did that Senior Bowl week go for you? 
Uh, yeah, it was awesome. Very fortunate to be uh, have my name recognized in that sort of light. Um, uh, so, yeah, I felt like it went well. Like I said, like we were talking about earlier, it sucked not having a football game or only having one football game. So uh, being able to play football again was, also, uh, was always awesome. So you go into being a little nervous. You haven't played football too much in the past year. and uh, But after about the first half of the first practice, the nerves kind of fade away and you're like, this is fun. I love to be here. This is what I love to do. And uh, yeah, sure, you get beat a few times here and there, but uh, you're competing against really good guys. And uh, yeah, overall, uh, I performed well. Uh, I won a lot more than I lost. So uh, uh, we can count down the win column. And uh, yeah, they uh, thought I performed well enough to win practice player of the week. So uh, it, overall, it was just fun and cool experience. We hear so much about how this edge rusher class is loaded. The same with the tackle class, thanks to guys like you. Yeah. Um, who, who did you go up against in terms of the edge rushers there where you kind of felt like, all right, yeah, I, I got this? Um, yeah, um, so most of the most of the guys, uh, we were pretty head on. Even uh, we win some, we lose some. Uh, I'd say Pitt from Weaver was really good. Mm -hmm. I think a guy who really improved a lot, too. I played against him at U. Uh, he was at UNI. Uh, uh, Ellerson Smith, uh, he gained some weight, gained some strength. I think he gained some more speed, too. And I watched him beat some other guys. Yeah, I think he'll be a really good player once he even develops even more. He's got, uh, I mean, the, the sky is his potential because of how uh, tall he is. So uh, I thought those two guys were really good edge rushers. And then um, there's a few D tackles. They're all like Aaron Donald types, like 275, just quick twitch, very powerful guys uh, that were in there that were pretty good. So. Well, I wanted to ask you, too, about the, the pro day. Did you end up taking part in the second one, or did you just do the first one? I just did the first one. Um, so I felt like my numbers were good enough. And, yeah, I definitely improved on my bench and probably 40 times and stuff like that. But, uh, I mean, there's no reason to. I feel like uh, my times are good enough for an offensive line. Having that instead of a combine, I mean, I just what was it like having all that attention at NDSU? Yeah, it was cool. I mean, uh it was, it was just an interesting process the way we did it. In the end, it kind of been, uh, kind of was uh, probably easier for us because we got to, the combine is kind of an all around just uh, uh, just grill you for three days. It's like uh, a lot of people say it's like the best worst experience of your life or whatever, just because you love to be there. But they're just uh, waking you up early, keeping you up late. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, it's kind of easy in that aspect. Yeah, we still went there for medical combine. We went to Indianapolis. Um, but being able to have the pro day separate, it just uh, allows you to focus on your mind in one area. And then the next week you can focus on physical instead of focusing on them both at the same time. So it's, uh, in a way, it was, kind of, it was kind of a little bit better this way. Well, I read that being a pro football player has been a dream of yours for, for a long time. What's this going to be like next week here when you hear your name called? Uh, it's going to be awesome. I'm going to enjoy it with my family. Uh, it's going to be an awesome milestone that I've completed. But at the same time, I mean, uh, it's just the exception uh, or them accepting my job application. Ultimately, uh, I still got to do something after. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a huge milestone. But uh, well, there's a lot of work that still needs to be done. What's your motivation? Like, What, what drives you every day to, to chase this dream that you're chasing? Um, I mean, a lot of it is love of the game. Uh, a lot of it is uh, just being able to win. I mean, like you said, won back-to-back -back state championships, won a few national championships, uh, uh, just the winning, uh, beating, being competitive uh, against other men. Uh, it's awesome. Um, and then on top of that, I mean, it's just a, uh, it's a huge servant leadership role that we have uh, being part of a team. Uh, I don't think there's anything like a football team. Just being able to be a part of that is huge uh, across all sports. And then uh, 
yeah, like I said, serving leadership, my faith ties a lot into it. Just being able to be on this platform, being able to uh, show people uh, or represent a community and stuff like that. So uh, just being able to help people out from my platform is another huge reason. Absolutely, man. Well, I guess the last thing I wanted to ask you was um, we've heard from other teammates and, and scouts just say that they love your competitiveness. It seems like you really play with an edge. I'm curious, yeah. how do teams try to get that out of you or do do teams try to get that out of you on zoom on these zoom calls like we heard um i don't know if they did this with you but the eagles coach came out and said i, I play rock paper scissors with the guy and you can just tell if guys are competitive <laughs> it's just weird off the wall stuff like what yeah. how have teams done that with you over the course of your interviews yeah some so a lot of teams they send you these psychology tests and hmm. uh and you'll they'll figure it out through that and then sometimes in the meetings i had a coach sent me a video before and he's like we're gonna compete and then he did this little stretch squat thing to see how flexible you were and he's like i want you to get lower than me and compete and stuff and then so i had to film myself doing it uh and send it back and we did all that before we even met so uh just a little things like that it's just uh super cool uh to be a part of just to see how all the ways they're trying to get the competitiveness out of competitive competitiveness out of you and uh yeah overall it's it pretty good all right, and thank you to Dylan for joining. Now we'll transition to my colleague, Mark Craig, at the Star Tribune, who just wrote about Dylan's teammate, Trey Lance at NDSU, a Marshall, Minnesota native, uh, figures to be a first-round pick after a pretty good, a college pretty good college career. It was a short college career, but it was still pretty good. Um, Mark, thank you for joining, and I wanted to ask you, when you're reporting this story on Trey Lance, um, what stood out to you in terms of just the mental side of things. Cause I think everybody sees him as this, you know, big hulking football player, big arm, all that stuff. But uh, you got quite a bit about people saying this kid's pretty smart too. Yeah. You get a sense, you know, that, that it's, it's it means something to him that, that he's, he loves football. He lives football. Um, his family, his dad, mom and dad are fantastic. Did a great job raising this kid. He's going to be like, I think the first kid born in the two thousands, that's going to be in the draft. I mean, it's insane to think about, you know, 2000 kid born in the 2000s. Uh, but, you know, and, and going to NDSU, it's, you know, to me, it's all, it's, he's maybe better off than if he would have gone somewhere division, you know, did a bigger school and I had the same system. Um, you, you talk to that Randy Hedberg, who's the quarterback's coach at NDSU, very well respected. Um, he goes on and on about how complicated that offense is to learn for as a quarterback. It's, it's got a West Coast theme uh, to where, you know, he's he's reading the entire field. He's uh, uh, he's setting his protections. He's under center sometimes. Uh, he's not, as his head coach said, uh, he's not looking to the sideline to see what to do at the line of scrimmage. This kid is, you know, but, you know, there's a risk of, the, because of only playing 17 games and being 20 years old, but, uh, you know, there's really a risk at all for all of these guys. If you look every year at the quarterback position, guys that go in the first round, there's always busts and there's always guys that do well. So uh, I think he has it. He's got all the, he's got all the physical attributes, his character, you know, you you can't find anybody say anything about bad about his character. Uh, And they go out of their way to, to really praise him for his character, his personality. So, I think the kid's going to make it. It's uh, I'm not sure when he's probably not going to be a starter this year, but who knows? Well, his father used to be an NFL or kind of a cast off NFL player. It was on a practice squad or something like that back in the nineties. I think he wrote, he had played for uh, the CFL too. Um, so he kind of, did he grow up kind of in that, that mold of like watching film and just kind of being around that all the time? 
Yeah, I mean, uh, the, uh, the mom, Angie, she said, uh, watching film is an issue at our house uh, with Carlton. It's the dad. And he goes in, Trey picked, you know, followed in his footsteps. Uh, yeah, Carlton was, uh, I think he's in the Southwest Minnesota Hall of Fame, the, the, the small school there in, uh, in Marshall, uh, ran track and was a cornerback. And he played a year in the CFL for the Saskatchewan, played a year of the, the, old, the World League with, in London. And then he said it was the early days of free agency. He went out to the 49ers and was, you know, in training camp or practicing, uh, trying to make the team. And he said they flew Deion Sanders in and they flew me out. So uh, that was his only his only uh, experience with the NFL. It'd be kind of ironic if uh, uh, full circle if the 49ers were to take him number three. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and we'll get to what I ask you too about where you where you mock Trey Lance going to and just the fits he could potentially have in the NFL. Um, but more about him and kind of his background up to this point, the Gophers at least talked to him. Clay's the former Gophers head coach was, um, recruiting him as a quarterback. I think you wrote until PJ Fleck came along. So why was he not at the university of Minnesota? Well, PJ Fleck came along and, and I, and the family gives PJ Fleck a lot of credit for being brutally honest. PJ Fleck said, I, you know, came in and said, I'm going to recruit the heck out of you, but I want you to play safety or maybe possibly a linebacker position. Because he said, I, I gave my word to a, a recruit. I'm bringing a quarterback with me to Minnesota. And uh, I promised him and I promised his family I would not take another quarterback in his class. Well, what ended up happening is that's the kid who went to Virginia. I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, but he went to Virginia. He, he decommitted from the Gophers, went to Virginia. And by that time, you know, uh, well, Boise State came in at the very end. They were the only big school to, to offer Trey Lance uh, scholarship. And by then he knew that uh, NDSU was the place to go uh, and credit to Carlton for, you know, putting that together. Well, they NDSU wanted him, but I mean, Carlton was like, Hey, listen, this is, you got to go to a place that wants you, that you're the number one guy. And uh, it didn't, the conversation with uh, Fleck, you know, uh, Lance shook his hand and said, thank you. Um, We're a quarterback. I'm a quarterback. And, and they moved on. Uh, it'd be kind of funny. To, it'd be interesting to see how he would have done it, Minnesota. You know, uh, I think he would have done pretty well. Yeah, Tyler Johnson, Rashad Bateman, Trey Lance would have done really well. Um, Trey Lance, six foot four, two hundred twenty-four pounds. Listed that anyway. Um, he's got the size. I don't think there's any questions about. Hey, can he hold up in the NFL? As you worry about with some of these smaller quarterbacks, because he's definitely not small. Um, do you see like people comp compare him to like Josh Allen in Buffalo? I mean, do you see any similarities like that in his game? Yeah. I mean, I, he's going to move and, and I think he's smart. If he talked, he talked about, uh, you know, you know, he picks, he knows when to pick his fights. You know, in other words, you know, when he takes off running, he's not, he's not under no illusion that he's going to be running over linebackers and stuff, but he is going to be that he's going to bring that extra dimension that, uh, well, it's not extra anymore. It's almost expected of, a, of an NFL quarterback now to be able to do that. And he's, uh, I think, you know, runs in the four or five range. Um, but yeah, he's, he's going to be able to hold up and, uh, he's going to be getting some yards with his, with his legs as well. Well, what happened in that last game? Cause he had the showcase game that everybody's talked about the one game NDSU played in. We talked to Dylan, um, Ray Dunes, teammate about playing in that game too, but what, what happened in that game? So I think he, you wrote, he threw his only college interception. It just didn't go that well for him, but it, at the same time, it doesn't seem to really impact how teams view him. 
No, I, I think you, you view that for what it was, one game in a very odd situation. I think he still ran for 143 yards and a couple of touchdowns. Uh, it's all part of the, the COVID year. I mean, it's uh, the, the thought of a 20-year-old guy with six, 17 starts and hasn't played one, one game in 15, 16 months could be a top five pick. Uh, it's uh, kind of a sign of the times uh, that we've been through here the last year or so. Yeah, and how he could be potentially, gosh, one of – I mean, you mentioned he could be the third quarterback off the board, maybe he's fourth or fifth, depending on this loaded class. Well, where where do you see him going? Because you put together your annual mock draft where you do the entire first round for every team. Um, where do you see Lance fitting right away in this, as you see? Well, him? yeah, just ignore my, my yearly percentage, uh, winning percentage on this and uh, <laughs> take it for what it's worth. But I have him going fourth to Atlanta. Um you know, I think, uh, you know, God bless uh, Trevor Lawrence. He's going to make us all one and oh, so we'll one and oh. And if you if now it's become like a foregone conclusion that uh, Zach Wilson's going to go number two. I, I I got him going number two just because it seems like that's a lock now. Uh, but I'm not buying the lock where maybe it's not a lock now as you look around all what people are predicting today. But uh, Matt Jones going to the 49ers number three. I don't see that. I, I see J- Justin Fields going three to, to the 49ers. And then the Falcons, uh, it's going to be tough for them to, to you know, put, pick a quarterback when you got all the other talent that's, that's there that they could just immediately use. But, you know, I mean, it's a new regime. And so there's time is on their side. And, you know, they get to develop a quarterback that they, you know, I think could be a quarterback for 10, 15 years. And you don't have to pay them those first four years. You're not paying them $40 million. So you can really build when you get those rookie quarterbacks that can play, you know, in their first year or two. So uh, I got them going forward to the Falcons. What are some of the other teams that you considered kind of mocking? If it wasn't Atlanta, who are the, some of the other fits potentially, you think? I, I think George Payton would love to see him at number nine. Um, maybe he would even trade up to, to try and get him if he, if he falls past the Falcons. But I think, you know, the Falcons, they're, they're sitting in a great spot. But so, like, the, the Bengals. I mean, the Bengals are sitting their franchise quarterback last year. Now they're going to have the number one pick of anybody who's not a quarterback, I think. Um, you know, so they can they can pick that kid from Oregon to protect Joe Burrow, which they better start. I mean, I, I, it would be tempting to take uh, – to reunite Burrow with Chase, but I think you got to protect him first. But, yeah, I think uh, Denver, you know, would be – would love to have Trey Lance on their team. Uh, it'd be interesting. I don't think it'll ever happen in a million years, but uh, uh, if he's there at 14 or if one of those quarterbacks is at 14, you know, do the Vikings take a chance? You asked Rick Spielman something about that recently, didn't you? Yeah. I mean, it was a, it was kind of a stock answer of, you know, we're, we're prepared. You know, he said, basically you have to wait against uh, the other position, couple other positions that you covet, you know, right now, but, uh, he said that they will be, all their options will be thoroughly discussed. And, you know, I, to me, it's, I don't see a 64 year old defensive minded head coach wanting to do that. I don't see, you know, Rick's, uh, no spring chicken when it comes to the, uh, the GMs and uh, they might be one of the older GMs now. Uh, but ownership, you know, if I'm a team, if I'm the team, I'd be, you know, Hey, I wouldn't mind having a quarterback that's, uh, we can build around after Kirk is uh, you can't just keep giving Kirk cousins, 35, $40 million a year. I don't. 
else could they, they could potentially trade back though, too. If like, let's say the Patriots, one of these quarterback needy teams, I think the Patriots are the one everybody likes to use. Who knows if they would actually consider doing it, but um, I, I'd be fascinated to see too, if the Vikings can leverage that opportunity to another quarterback needy team, or if, Hey, maybe George Payton gets the guy that was in his backyard for, for so many years. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Well, Mark, is there anything else you wanted to add about Trey Lance and just your reporting on this story? Seems like a genuine kid, a good, good kid. Uh, you, know, you, you never really know these guys uh, as well as they come off, but uh, I think someone's going to, I, uh, Lewis Riddick was, uh, might have one of the better quotes. He's like, you know, talking about this, he's got a cannon for an arm. He's a great athlete, a better kid. He goes, and somebody, whoever picks this kid is going to be very, very happy. And I, I, I tend to agree. And obviously Lewis, former player, uh, personnel guy, knows a lot of, about more than I do about this stuff. Uh, but I do agree with him. I think he's, he's going to make someone very, very happy. Trey will be one of the biggest dominoes to fall on draft night for sure. Well, thank you, Mark, for taking the time to join us on the Access Vikings podcast. You can check out all of Mark's work at startribune.com. Maybe you should get off the podcast. <laughs>